With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Basketball rolls, but gets no love in the polls. Mark D'Antonio does his best Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, saying, I'll be back. Minnesota is a dream deferred. Brian Kelly remains the worst person in the world. Your Twitter questions and a preview of more games than we'd care to comment on. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm cracking a beer because D'Antonio is back, baby. Not sure what emotion is fueling this drink, but it's a drink all the same. You, of course, are listening to Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to the folks in Ann Arbor that Spartans can talk and certain jokes are out of bounds. If you didn't mean to be listening to us, you can turn this off by going ahead and clicking that subscribe button and then logging on Twitter, finding Spartan underscore pod and clicking follow. For those of you who chose to listen to us, we continue to be shocked and grateful. If you could, however, take a moment, we'd really appreciate you rating, reviewing, and most of all, retweeting the show. I'm your co-host, Mike Jones, joined as always by my great friend and co-host, Kevin Greck. Greck, how you been? Oh, Jonesy, I've been great. I've been smashing that subscribe button. I've been ringing the bell. That was <laughs> that was the most brave, <laughs> thirsty entrance ever. <laughs> I got a thirst right. for the follows. Actually, yeah. for those of you uh, at home who haven't, just go ahead and say, "Hey Siri, <laughs> subscribe to Can't Read, Can't Write podcast." Alexa, subscribe to Can't Read, Can't Write podcast. It'll all work out. I also anyway. caught a little a little crack of the beer in there. Tribute to Jer Bear, perhaps. Uh, porn went out for him. <laughs> <laughs> he asked for it. He got it right at the top of the show. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, though Jer Bear uh, did not uh, make a trip to our presenting sponsor yet, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but before we do, for new listeners, uh, we're going to take a trip through. Uh, the Green Wall, uh, covering the media coverage of MSU football, MSU basketball. Obviously, a lot of news this week, not only with the crushing loss to the University of Michigan, uh, but with Mark D'Antonio returning and some valiant victories from our uh, boys on the hard court. Uh, and then we are going to uh, make a trip off of Grand River to cover some of the headlines around the nation in college sports and pro athletics. And as always, take your Twitter questions and then wrap things up with a preview of the games ahead of us. With that, a word from our presenting sponsor, Frazier's Pub in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, Look, folks, we got off of a tough call, tough call with management there. Um, It ends up that pushing the wood paneling, saying that it's on Packard Avenue instead of Packard Street or Road, whatever, it's in Ann Arbor, you'll find it. you know, uh, we need to get more bodies in there. Apparently calling the waitstaff salty is not necessarily uh, bringing bodies to the door. Which is weird. That that would have been the first thing that I would have thought. would. Yeah, but anyway, go ahead. Well, look, uh, 
Frazier's pub does have wood paneling and again, apparently shouldn't be a point of emphasis. What should be a point of emphasis though, is they have a wonderful tap selection, uh, a lot of local beers, a rotating tap selection too. There's always a beer of the month, which gets you a, uh, a 23 ounce for the, for the price of a pint. Um, and they, uh, they have tons of high definition, big screen TVs throughout the bar. Greg, we've watched games there before. Yeah. Yeah. It was a delightful experience. I, I, I cherished every moment. <laughs> I I don't know that 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 seems a little like Christmas story to me, but it is a good time always at Fraser's Pub. Mm-hmm. We would genuinely appreciate if anyone's in the Ann Arbor area, you're looking to grab a drink, maybe grab a bite. If you pop into Fraser's Pub, it is the oldest sports bar in Ann Arbor, uh, and is a. a a good place to have a drink and a, and uh, you know a little food. So tell and then, them, and then uh, you you saddle up at the bar and you say, hey, I've been listening to this podcast. Can't read, can't write. They're great guys. They're doing a great job. I'm here because flag of them. down the manager. Flag yeah. down the manager. Usually there, hardworking, really fantastic server as well. Let her know. Can't read, can't write. Sent you. It'd mean a lot to us. And that you should keep those checks rolling. Anyway, let's go. So. <laughs> yes. So uh, let's head behind the green wall. Cover some of the. The media coverage of uh, of Michigan State over the past week, and we are gonna start with football. Kevin, devastating loss to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Not a devastating loss because it was close, but instead a dev- devastating loss because we lost forty four to ten in a shellacking, the worst since two thousand two. Here's my question for you: After watching that game, who is Michigan State? I don't think they know. Uh, the team seems to lack all identity. Uh, I think Lewerke himself said it afterwards. You know, the team had performances and uh, and lack thereof in a way that were uncharacteristic of Coach D teams. Um, a lot of the things that we were expecting at the beginning of the season, you know, the benefits of a senior quarterback and what was perceived to be an all- you know, conference or, or potentially national championship level defense, uh, not there either. What I saw was flailing along, uh, just the penalties racked up. Uh, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop them at times. And this is a Michigan offense that is, has been clicking over the last 12 and a half quarters or whatever, but other teams, had been able to stop this offense. Uh, MSU's was not. And then in a move that wasn't really surprising to anyone other than the first drive, the first score, uh, not able to put up points either. So we're going to get into it in more detail, but um, I think Lewerke said it best. Uncharacteristic of a coach D team. Yeah, just about everything was uncharacteristic. It's... You know, we're not X's and O guys, and we'll probably say that again. You know, when we preview games, we we tend to try and highlight a few things to watch. But, you know, that said, it, it didn't take someone who is has experienced coaching to recognize that this team was out of position, was slow, was defeated easily. and just if you can't get up for this game as a Spartan, I, I don't know what you're doing. 
I don't I, it it is the lifeblood of being a Spartan is to hate that school and want to destroy them at every opportunity. And as we just, established last week, even yeah. in the down year, this is something that you can you can get up for. And uh you know, at times when Michigan was rolling in the nineties and the late eighties or whatever, MSU, the poor hapless MSU teams would, you know, nip them once or twice, but there was very little risk of that happening on Saturday outside of the first score and a couple other times where they, they showed a little flutter of life. But I mean, the second half, you might as well have just not watched if you were an MSU fan. Yeah. And what's, what's really heartbreaking, I guess, about this team is that they just, I, I don't know what it is. And I know a lot of people point to coaching and we'll get into that in a minute because <laughs> there's a lot there, but for all the talk, and there's a lot of media coverage that says this team has good chemistry, this team has good leadership, and I don't doubt that they have good personality leaders, uh, the mm-hmm. kind of people that keep a a strong locker room cohesion, uh, keep guys being sort of positive and well-oriented off the field, but that in-game leadership, that willingness to to stand up in the face of adversity, mm-hmm. the willingness to fight like you're going to win no matter what, even when you don't. I haven't seen it from this team in years. And it's, and what's striking about that is it is the same core of guys who have been on this team for years now. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't mean to besmirch players because I'm not about that, but Either the coaches aren't getting that sort of character through to the players or the kind of leadership that that drives those things just isn't on this team. And, and so there just seems to be a lack of edge to them. And, and they hang and you saw a lot of former players commenting about this on Twitter during the game. Yeah, that was the main if I were to summarize what the former players were commenting, it wasn't anything to do with lack of execution. It was. You know, where's the fight? Where's the pride? Those types of questions. Yeah. And and so, you know, maybe that's a coaching thing. Maybe it's not. And and so I, I just think that's where this team is. We're going to get into some of the highlights. Uh, we actually, why don't we just do that now? Because there weren't there were some things to be excited about with this team, even in that terrible game. Mm-hmm. Uh, my man, Julian Barnett, who I have been standing for, for you a have. while now had a hell of a game. Uh, I believe one run for 10 yards. I think he had four receptions, all first down catches, um, for uh, approximately 10 yards a catch. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't have the box score up. That's how professional we are. Um, you know, uh, Elijah Collins continues to look good. He did three freshmen offensive linemen playing and, you know, uh, they'll get better, but not disappointing. Right. No. Yeah. So the, the future actually has some intrigue. Jalen Naylor was on the sideline, uh, theoretically able to play, didn't, but will be able to now redshirt this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, he's coming back. Julian Barnett, obviously, is coming back. There's going to be a lot of speed on this team next year, which is something that this team is sorely lacking. Well, we kind of expected that coming into this year, though, as well, that I think the profiles of the 2019 MSU football team were that you didn't have any concerns at the wide receiver core, even without considering Julian Barnett. So uh, hopefully that remains the case. Getting Naylor back is huge. Big transfer from Western, hopefully. Uh, Jaden Reed, yeah. Jaden Reed, Reed to sort of bolster the wide receiver core as well. So uh, we know what we've got with Eli Collins. Uh, yeah, we can speculate what the wide receiver core is going to look like last year. Who knows who will be delivering them the ball? Uh, that's probably the most speculation of them all. This is the most speculative uh, topic of them all. But uh, there's reason to be optimistic for this team next year. Even yeah. if in this, you know, a brutal schedule, if you've if you haven't looked at the 2020 schedule, it is uh, chock full. Uh, there's reason to be excited about what we're going to see on the field in 2020 at Spartan Stadium. And actually, I, you know, had forgotten about Jaden Reed for a second. And so that means you have four receivers in Trey Mosley, who has looked good. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. a faster uh, Daryl Stewart. Uh, you have Jaden Reed, who by all accounts is going to be an amazing receiver. You have Cody White, who has not taken the step everyone hoped, but hopefully next year will and and will be the yeah will be the most senior receiver. And Jalen Naylor, who is an absolute speedster, it makes you wonder if Julian Barnett, who came in as a recruit for cornerback will make the switch back over because got to be honest, the secondary has not looked great this year. Yeah. No one anticipated how much of a drop off that would be. No, uh, I think everyone just assumed because there'd been so much success that it would be a plug and play type scenarios the way, you know, it's been in the past and yeah, the defense has been the biggest letdown of the team and the season, probably the defensive performance so anyway i i don't think we really i think everyone listening to this saw the game i think everyone listening to this knows what happened and i think everyone listening to this also saw the mark d'antonio press conference on tuesday indeed uh you know it's funny uh after the michigan game graham couch columnist for the lansing state journal uh wrote a column that said mark d'antonio needs to make his future known Lo and behold, at the press conference, he did. He did. And two important things to take away, I think, from that are uh, what he said his plans are for himself and what he said about his plans for his staff. As for himself, after not initially saying it in a round, to an answer a roundabout question from Hondo, uh, he did ultimately answer Chris Solari, uh, the beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, and said he's coming back in 2020. And he did it in an interesting way, though. He did it at first, like not committing to anything and just saying like, yeah. And then Nick Baumgartner, I believe, of The Athletic kind of pressed him on it about, you know, what he meant by closing circles. Uh, closing yeah. circles is uh, is something that Coach D likes to say. Uh, and then he just went on a like a rambling, like, I'm going to be here. Uh 
he mentioned, you know, that he works 80 hours a week. He was thinking about why do I work 80 hours a week? But then he put on a Rose Bowl shirt and he remembered this place can have success. So the good times. You remember the, the good, good times. times. Remember the good times, Mark. Uh, and he mentioned facilities improvements, which is down the road. He he talked about the the freshman offensive linemen and how they're good they're going to be in a couple years, which indicates he's thinking about making another run. Yeah. I don't I don't think anyone expects him to be the coach in 4 years, but certainly he's going to be the coach not certainly by all accounts he's going to be the coach in 2020 and potentially in 2021 uh the only question really and i think there are twitter questions about this so we'll just sort of address it now is how different the staff is going to look and i have to think there are some guys on the staff right now that have a pretty good idea Maybe maybe they had a different job before this year, and now they've been moved to a, a different role, and the offense is still not working. They, I might be putting out feelers to other teams if I were them, uh, brushing up about that uh, that resume. So, I the the difficult thing is going to be. I don't think Mark D'Antonio has ever changed more than one staff member. And usually when he does do it, it's in this like cryptic, like Dan Rorschach accepted a job with the, you know, Saints as a running back coach or so-and-so retired. I, I don't think it's ever been step up to the podium. These three coaches are are gone. Um, I don't know that it's going to be the same that, that way this year at the end of the season where he'll just say, you know, I evaluated our staff and these three or four, however many are gone. Um, we might get a trickle. I don't know how, how acceptable that is going to be to the, to the Twitter fan base. Uh, I don't know that I care, but I would be very surprised (laughs) if, if fewer than three coaches, um, are gone by the time we kick off 2020. Yeah, so one of the things he said that I, I think people need to be prepared for is that he knows this program best and will make a an evaluation in totality about the coaches because mm-hmm. his, his point is pretty sound, which is that we're not there. You know, we we don't know really how recruiting is divvied up. We don't know whether some coaches are taking on extra responsibilities because a certain coach isn't doing what they need to do. Um, we're, there's not a ton of of transparency to the program, and so we just don't know. And And I do believe him. So the thing that people need to be prepared for is that there may not be a change to probably the position everyone is clamoring for, which is that offensive coordinator. I'm not sure that I, I think the fan base might be giving that a pass. Um, he's in his first year. Uh, what's his name? His name's escaping me. Uh, Brad Salem. Brad Salem. Pardon me. He, he was a very successful positional coach. Uh, and I think the offense, I mean, say what you will, the offense looks different than it did last year. It's an entirely different scheme. So I'm not sure that folks are that upset with Brad Salem. I think they're mostly upset with Mark D'Antonio and the, his reluctance to make changes. And then when he did decide to make those changes to 
you know, just basically rearrange the chairs. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I would be very surprised personally if either of the coordinators change, even though Mike Trussell's defense has not lived up to expectations so far this year. Yeah. So well, Harlan Barnett may be on the market. Yeah. But Harlan Barnett is, you know, he could come back as a positional coach. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if, if, you know, he just took an, an available spot. It also, I mean, it would actually kind of surprise me if he came back, although that might get to Mark D'Antonio and what he said in his reasoning for why he decided to reshuffle the existing staff is that he doesn't have a large Rolodex. So here's a guy that's already been in the program that he trusts that may be available. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think under going normal back to circumstances, like a, a, he wouldn't be back though. Sorry. You were saying, Oh yeah, no, I, I just think I could see a world in which maybe there's a co-defensive coordinator situation. Um, Mark D'Antonio loves a co. Whether it's on the depth chart or in the, you know, in the booth calling plays, the man can co-coordinator, co-quarterback, co-guard, co-wide receiver. He, the man can co, that's for sure. Yeah, well, so I, I think you're right, though. Uh, probably three. Uh, I would expect changes for the one people are probably most, most clamoring for, which is at, at the offensive line coach, Jim Bowman. Um, I could see, uh, I forget his name. The, he was the wide receivers coach and got switched to assistant defensive backs coach. Um, being Samuels? Out. Yes. Um, I mean, those are, the, those are the, I think, the two most obvious ones and would free up some salary space. Beyond that, you know, pick them. It, it's going to happen somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, uh, with that... Uh, let's, let's look a little bit more forward to this season. I know we talked a little bit about next season, but Chris Solari was talking about something interesting, which mm -hmm. is that D'Antonio needs to, is currently having to balance becoming bowl eligible with playing for next year. And, and in that regard, there's an interesting question about what to do at quarterback. Well, I, I don't think you bench Brian Lewerke. Uh, I guess maybe you try to get some guys with some additional snaps. Uh, I would, I would be very surprised if anyone other than Brian Lewerke takes the bulk of the snaps through the end of the year. Um, we're going to talk Rutgers later. <laughs> They're 20 yeah, point they home dogs. Uh, if at the half MSU is indeed up by several touchdowns, maybe you trot three O day out there and, uh, see if he can call the plays that are, that are coming in from the sidelines. <laughs> um, I don't, or if I don't, not just let him throw the ball, like give the kids some snaps, let him figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I think if there's anything on this subject that we can say, it's that maybe you just skip Rocky Lombardi. I, I think everyone must know. I mean, Theo day doesn't get any time unless the staff realizes that Rocky Lombardi isn't going to be the dude next year. So, um, I, I think Brian's going to get most of that play, most of that run, especially on senior day in a game that is hopefully going to be for bowl eligibility uh, against a, you know, a Maryland team that this MSU team probably shouldn't look past given yeah. its performance. So keep in mind, remember Maryland 
it's taken some licks, but they also like put up 50 points a game for the first three games of the season or something like that. You know, I think it was, that, I think it was closer to 70. Yeah. So maybe that magic's still in there a little bit for them. Um, so it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible but, that, that they give MSU a run for the last, uh, for bowl eligibility last game of the year. You know, you, you brought up senior day and I, I think that's an interesting transition point to something that, uh, a couple listeners reached out to us about that want us to cover, which, uh, is a letter that, it, you know, as far as can go viral in the MSU community did go viral today, uh, from a, a young man, a nine-year-old, uh, Frazier Hartnell, um, shout out to the great name, Frazier, uh, yeah. Frazier's pub I mean, in Arbor, Michigan, beautiful Packard, Packard. Parkway, Packard Avenue, Packard Street, Packard Road. I don't know that Fraser Hartnell has wood paneling in his room. I just know that he has wood paneling in his room. <laughs> I, I sincerely hope he has wood paneling in his room. Um, and several big screen TVs, a very collegial atmosphere, and someone salty who comes in to serve him milk and cookies. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Fraser Hartnell wrote a letter to MSU Football to Brian Lewerke, to Coach D'Antonio, and also had a section that was to MSU fans generally. And apparently he took four days to write this letter, and it was as cute of a letter as a nine-year-old could possibly write, but it was it, it was really touching. You know, we do this every week, and it's not what we're doing isn't that different than the conversations you all are having at home or with friends or at a bar like Fraser's pub. But, <laughs> uh, but they, you know, it, it was, it was a reminder of the, the joy of, and, and, you know, coach Antonio talked about the privilege of being the Michigan state coach and, and, you know, maybe it's not a privilege to be a fan because you can choose to be a fan for anyone, but as, as an alum, I consider, somewhat of a privilege yeah um and and this kid you know wrote to, to coach d to brian lewerke trying to make them smile and talked about how what's you know brian lewerke is his favorite player because he gets out there and keeps trying no matter what happens and and it was you know it, it was just a a solid reminder of that we love this team because it's about being a Spartan. Mm -hmm. And this kid at nine years old gets Got it. what it is to be a Spartan. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to cover this in greater detail. It was part of uh, one of those emails that we received. Uh, the experience of being a sports fan at that age uh, is different. You know, I've been to dozens of games now. I followed this team for years and years and years. We bring up plays and games that happened you know, when nine-year-old uh, Frazier was just a glimmer in his father's eye. So uh, <laughs> there's, there, you know, you've got to remember sometimes that these are amateur athletes. We've talked about amateurism quite a bit on the podcast, actually. But at the end of the day, these are still guys, you know, playing for love of the game and hopefully to get drafted in the NFL. But uh, most of whom won't. Most of whom will not, as the NCAA commercials will remind during the uh, NCAA tournament. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, it's it's good to have that just sort of like 
gut check every once in a while. The the resetting and, of expectations. And you know what's even more crazy about Fraser's letter is that if you consider that he's nine years old, that for his more aware years, you know, we'll say five to nine, have not been great years for MSU. Yeah. But there was a ten year ten win season in there. But there was also yeah, right. losing games. And and so, you know, the it if you haven't read the letter, folks, I, I I just I would encourage you to check it out because it was for me anyway, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it was sort of a humbling moment of A, acknowledge that we're watching a whole bunch of amateurs play a sport. B that being a fan you know, you can be unsatisfied with the coaching staff, but we, you know, I, I ranted about people not sticking through a game that had bad weather. I talked about how I stand during games because if the players are standing, I stand it because that's what you do when you're in Spartan stadium. You don't sit until it's halftime. You know, the Frazier, you, you love the team. You support the team through thick and thin. And we were there during some not great years uh and you know you you do it because you love your school and you love the guys who are out there representing your school and yeah. so that's uh that's where we'll leave fraser's letter for now i would add one thing though real yeah. quick not to undermine you on that but <laughs> yes. i'm the freaking host yeah that's right so the student athletes of course playing for love of the game and hopefully to get to the nfl the coaching staff is paid handsomely uh, sure, for the job sure, sure, that they sure. do. And there is an expectation that they win. Winning is a big deal. Uh, 70,000 people don't go sit in the stands at uh, at Spartan Stadium to, to see a poor product on the field. So you can, you can hold the team accountable in certain ways, but it is very important to keep that perspective uh, at the same time. Yeah, and and you know, I I don't live there, right? So it's it's easy for me to talk because I don't have to do anything other than turn the TV on. I don't have to buy season tickets. You know, and and I'm certainly not going to tell anyone to do what to do with their money. So all I can say is for me that however it is that you choose to support MSU, be a fan. Right. It, it, that's all I'm asking is be a fan. You don't have to be happy with things to still be a fan. But if we were to tell you what to do with your money, uh, getting in the door at Spartan Stadium for the Maryland game, not going to set you back a whole lot. <laughs> Looking well, <laughs> at StubHub here. Uh, yeah, you can. Uh, there are seats to be had on the lower sideline for single digits. So uh, if you haven't been to a game in the wa- in a while, or if you've uh, if you know kids in the neighborhood that have never been to a game, um, this could be a good opportunity to get them in the stadium, get them in the stands, get them an experience, uh, seeing the band, seeing the the team, those types of things. Yeah, to be clear, we're not telling you what to do with your Spartan money, uh, but we are telling you to spend money at Fraser's Pub in support of Fraser's letter. Uh, so we're plugging, we're plugging hard today for Fraser's pub. All right, All right. Greg, now we let's can move. move yeah. Let's move to basketball. Um, two games to talk about. This is yeah. uh, folks. This is going to get weird for us on the pod. Uh, they, they may run a little longer. 
Uh, we do. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but next the next two weeks we're probably going to have a little bit of a different schedule uh, because of how many games are happening. But we had two games: Seton Hall and then Charleston Southern. I'll let you guess which one was the harder one. Uh, <laughs> so, because of chronological uh, order, let's start with Seton Hall. Uh, Greg, what were your thoughts? I mean, huge game on the road in a, in a very, you know, we, we talked about, uh, last week how this was, you know, Seton Hall's largest out of conference game since the last time MSU had been there in 2000. Uh, and they did not disappoint. It sounded like that place was rocking by all accounts from the media. They had quite the showing, uh, these are the types of games that prepare the team for the NCAA tournament. Uh, some gentleman named Miles Powell, who we didn't expect to play because he had a sprained ankle, supposedly. I saw no evidence of that. <laughs> yeah. That was... It, if okay. the NCAA wants to get involved yeah. with, with, with athletes, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but why don't we start with lying about a freaking injury? Yeah. That dude was fine. That dude did rehab all off season, like strengthened his ankle, had yeah. shots in it, was just 37 points, I think. Nuts. Just, I mean, he couldn't miss. Some of those three point shots that he was jacking up were well defended and he just poured From it deep. In. Yeah. So I think overall, I mean, Malik Hall becomes self aware, goes from not scoring during any of his minutes in the first two games to scoring on every shot attempt that he made. Uh, it, of course, he he becomes self-aware uh, and really lifts the team. But I think what I was most impressed by, and we've we've discovered that this is actually kind of a young team outside of Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman to a degree. Um, they had opportunities to fold and they didn't. So uh, there's resolve on this team. Um, and... Three-point shooting is still a concern, and then it continued to be a concern against Charleston Southern, which we'll talk about as well. But um, I overall, they dealt with the length very well. They dealt with the environment very well, and they dealt with an opposing point guard just hitting every shot that he could even attempt to take in the second half. Yeah, and and I, I think, interestingly, you know, you, you noted in our outline here that Winston and Xavier didn't have a great first half. Um, this was a team effort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it was. This could have very easily gone a different way. And very what easily. was I, I what expected w- it to with two minutes to play. Yeah, the 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 team fighting back. It's it is it is these moments that make you realize a we got this season and B we can do what we want in the tournament. So long as we want to do it. Sure. Um, so huge opponent, big win and just plenty of concerns to walk away from. Yeah. Tillman really struggled with their length inside. So I think we'll continue to see that as a trend against larger teams. And then to sort of roll us into Charleston Southern, kind of made hay of their much smaller front line. So Xavier Tillman, I'm not sure how this is going to look to, you know, NBA scouts. Uh, It would stick out to me. Um, 
but he had a he went from having a really poor game against Eaton Hall to having a fantastic game against Charles Charleston Southern. So, um, well, so one of the the crossover points between these two games also is yeah. who's playing the one when Cassius Winston is not in the game because it seems like Rocket Watts might be getting more time than Lawyer. That's what I've been seeing. I don't think Lawyer played in the second half against Seton Hall. I'd have to go back and recheck the minutes on that. But it does seem like when when the chips are down and we need a point uh backup point guard, it looks like Rocket is gonna end up taking most of those minutes. And I would expect that to just continue uh as the season progresses. He does kind of play with a head of steam. He gets a little crazy sometimes he takes some shots that i have a feeling uh tom Izzo might have some choice words for him about maybe not on the sideline but in film uh so there's definitely room to improve there he did hit a couple big threes against uh against seton hall to sort of close the gap but um his shooting is still not where we we were told that it could be so uh i think I think Rocket is kind of the guy in the future with Foster Lawyer taking kind of an offensive role. You know, he he is not scared to put his body on the line. We saw that. So um, things definitely a lot to be impressed with between these two games, but still some looming concerns. Right. And and so we've been we've been dancing around it a little bit. Charleston Southern nailed it. Uh, 94 to 46 MSU win. It was, it got ugly at a minute, uh, when I forget who threw a ball at Rocket Watts. Uh, who cares? For, <laughs> who, cares? <laughs> who cares? Uh, three point shooting, still a concern. What were, what were some of the, the takeaways that you got from this game that weren't evident at Seton Hall? Uh, the rotation's going to get interesting. I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, everyone, I, I think the rotation is now basically every scholarship player minus marble and maybe minus foster lawyer for normal games. I mean, you can't, you can't leave Malik Hall on the bench. You're trying to get something out of Marcus Bingham. You know, he's shown flashes. You're trying to push that, uh, Gabe Brown had no problem stepping in for an Aaron Henry that didn't play at all against Charlton Southern. He's got two sprained ankles. Apparently he sprained both of them against Seton Hall, which sounds truly awful. So <laughs> you can't even limp. Yeah. So I, I like everyone is going to play. And then. Well, and, and actually how was their sweepstake comes comes through. It, the rumor is January one. He's going to become eligible. Who knows how this. I think he's got to do some kind of, he's got to meet with the NCAA, go down I to might have Indianapolis. It's not clear because some media outlets said that it happened on the 18th. Some media outlets said it would happen after the 18th. Did we, did we get final word on that? I didn't do enough research on that. Uh, don't, you can't tell them that Jonesy. You have to I, claim ignorance. No, no, because here's the thing. I, I care less about process on Joey Hauser. Mm-hmm. I care about the decision. You know, just do what you need to do. Get me a decision. I, I don't care about the process. So five guys are playing 40 minutes. That's 200 total minutes. Cassius Winston's going to get his. 
mostly because he's one of the best players in the country, but also because he's far and away the best point guard. So now you start divvying up those remaining minutes among the other guys and it gets lean in places and it gets lean fast. So we'll see. Right. But, but you know, what's, what's kind of exciting about this team is that especially as we're starting to get to know the players, finding out what's going on with them, you know, dudes can come alive on one night and not on another. And so Izzo has the advantage, assuming that, that there's at least a relative constant on defensive capability that he can play mix and match and find, you know, D'Antonio likes to talk about playing the hot hand. Izzo actually has that luxury. You know, maybe some nights it's Bingham. Maybe it's not. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, uh, Malik Hall who's, who's coming alive. Eventually Rocket Watts is going to shoot better. Eventually. It, it wasn't terrible against Charleston Southern, but I, it also wasn't fantastic. Wasn't it? Um, I thought it was terrible. What was? Yeah, all right, no. I mean, I'm just trying to. I'm, I'm trying to be nice. He had 11 points. Okay. <clears throat> Which against Charleston Southern, from a guy who should be a bit more of a true scorer, not great. Um. So well, I mean, but he's going to stay on the court because Izzo loves his defense. So. Uh, well, and he has enough athleticism that no one can. No one can take a break from him. So, anyway, we'll get into previewing the the next couple games as we head into the Maui Invitational. But all in all, there are still real concerns about this team, but I don't know that they're concerns that won't be figured out. They may not be fixed, but they'll figure out how to work with what they got uh, to to make a a serious run. So Rocket Watts shot four for 14 by the way. Yeah. All uh, right. Over four. Sounds about three. right. I was trying so, to be nice. Uh, listen. so he's not, look, he's not listening. And if he is, he knows, he knows his performance against Charleston Southern. Look, we so. have one other hot topic from the Charleston Southern game that we would be remiss not to talk about. Yeah. Twitter with, I mean, it's the most scuttlebutt thing on the game. social media. Yeah. Uh, Tom Izzo used to swear at a sure. player. Uh, Oh, Apparently, and uh, if there are, I'm not going to use the word, but if there are children listening, Thomas Githier gets yelled at, oh, F you, by Tom Izzo. That's the speculation. We don't know exactly what he said. Well, the, the F word was definitely used. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it was unmistakably enunciated. <laughs> uh, look, I think we're both on the who cares bandwagon. Yeah. Um, and wh- one of the things is, uh, Ant Williams on, on Twitter, um, who, who provides tremendous breakdowns of, of largely Michigan, but definitely covers other, other big 10 teams, other teams in, in college basketball, um, pointed out that Kithier was getting yelled at for something that wasn't even his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Izzo was upset that he didn't board and he didn't rebound. Uh, and, the res- the reason he didn't is first because Cassius was out of position, which then caused Rocket Watts to choose to be out of position, which then Kithier was like, ah, what do I do? And so he <laughs> froze and reasonably froze and then just got a tongue lashing by Izzo. Izzo will likely <laughs> walk back his words, 
But for anyone who cares about how Izzo talks to his players, talk to his players about how they think Tom Izzo views them. Because it is, as a father figure, as a mentor, as family, it is, you speak the, probably, I think we, we probably all say some of the harshest things to those we love. And we also are most able to forgive those that we love. Uh, I'm, I, it's a nothing burger to me. You, uh, I also love these pearl clutching folks that like think that coaches don't swear at practices. Like, right. <laughs> are you serious? Like, come on. Coaches swearing it happens everywhere all the time. I don't understand it. I, whatever. Yeah. Soft. Whatever. This whole generation's soft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after Izzo drops the F bomb uh, and MSU continues to roll, the game ends and thinking the game was ending, uh, we then get word that Cassius Winston is going to address the crowd. And gives a, a brief but very heartfelt address to all in attendance and all those watching at home, uh, sort of addressing what their support has meant to him as he's been dealing with the loss of his brother. Yeah. Uh, it, it was touching. Um, I feel like I, I've gotten a little too emotional about MSU sports for what is healthy, but there's been a fair amount of, uh, of misty eye for... No, and there should. Camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, he I, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, there wouldn't there's nowhere else. I'm paraphrasing, there's nowhere else he'd rather be. There's nowhere place there's no place like this. Like I think he said in comments in the media that playing basketball is helping him through this situation. So um it sounds like there was an outpouring of support to the Winston family. And, you know, there's some there's some reciprocation going on there. It was a, it was a great moment for the program and for the school. Yeah. And you know, you, not to try and too hard to tie it back, but to Frazier's letter, you know, being a fan, that's, no, that's nine year old Frazier, not yeah. oldest bar in Ann Arbor, Frazier. Yeah. But Frazier's letter to, to Brian Lewerke, which caused him to tweet for the first time in a long time, you know, being being a fan means something to these guys who mm-hmm. aren't getting paid um and and are putting in a lot of time and effort and and so you know it 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 meant a lot to me that it meant something to Cassius that you know that we're all here for him not that we have much that we can do for him other than just be fans but the the i i was I was thrilled to hear that that's helping him so, um, that we had a lot of games to get through. So, you know, uh, ran a little bit long, but Kevin, we've got our next, not a sponsor. Yeah. Tell uh, me about it. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> look, uh, we're coming off the Gavit games. Um, and they were such a success that the folks there want to continue their marketing so that this will turn into an even more marquee event. Uh, so naturally. After the great success of having the coaches of the Gavit games look back on the Dave Gavit legacy, they turned to Can't Read, Can't Write uh, to continue that conversation and discuss Dave Gavit and his son, Dan Gavit, 
who is carrying on his father's legacy. Kevin, what did Dave Gavitt mean to you? Everything. I know who he is. I know that his son will just stare into a camera for what seems like forever while he's being introduced by, you know, the, the, the commentators in the game. Um, that's, that's it. That's all I know. What, what, uh, what's your, your best Dave Gavitt memory? <laughs> I, there's so many. I, I, I would hesitate to choose just one because there's just so many great Dave Gavitt memories that I have from my Dave Gavitt inspired life. So it would be unfair to just choose one right now. And what, what of Dave Gavitt's accomplishments is most important to you? All of them are what's most important to me. I love his, the one accomplishment the best, uh, but all of them are great. Great. So Gavitt Games, wonderful. Uh, we look forward to more. Very <laughs> meaningful. Very <laughs> meaningful. All right, we can move on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dave right. Gavitt's gotten enough. <laughs> it's just, the, it was the producers. The segments were so terrible. All right. <laughs> Tom Izzo saying, yeah. <laughs> I, met, I, I, I love Dave. I met him once for like five minutes. <laughs> I think it's <is> my <laughs> paraphrasing of Tom Izzo. Was Dave is so a great guy. So I was awkward. in the room with him one time. We once were at a urinal next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Me was so the man, terrible. The man has great urinal. Uh, he, he doesn't say a word straight ahead. No peeking. It's fantastic. Great man. I, I Name a whole tournament after him. Lukewarm postmortems to me are just uh, priceless. Anyway, we're going to move off Grand River. We're going to not talk about MSU for the most part. Uh want to talk about some of the other headlines going on in the country. Uh, first of all, Brian Kelly's Fighting Irish demolished Navy 52-20. I think it's fair to say that Brian Kelly hates America. Yeah, that was my takeaway. Duh. I, people talked about this after the U of M Army game, about why you would ever schedule a service academy. And they love and to I, do it. They schedule them all the time. They schedule like eight of them. There are only well, four service academies. They, there are only three. There are only three service academies. They, they schedule 14 of them. <laughs> I mean, it's, I just, to me, it's a, there's, it's a no-win proposition. You either should have beat them. And I know Navy was ranked at the time and, and you know, uh, supposedly had a good team. But you beat up on Navy 52 to 20, where all of those guys are going into the armed forces later, and this is considered an extracurricular activity for them. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't get recruited to Navy to play football. They got recruited to Navy to go serve their country. And then to just put on, like, style points? I'm confused. Well, you know, Notre Dame has to do that to get into the, uh, get into the top four, get into the playoff. Got to do the style points now. So they should join a conference, I think is the moral of the story and play teams that have an established conference. They should, you know, who's in a conference, uh, but not leading their division. Well, still leading their division has a conference loss, Minnesota. Yes. Officially a dream deferred. 
the movie Field of Dreams may have taken place in Iowa, but Kinnick Stadium is where dreams go to die. Uh, Playoff-bound Minnesota is out of the running after a 23-19 loss to Iowa. To be clear, a playoff running. Uh, yes. Now, not they, out of the Big Ten Championship game running. They could still nope. be the first U of M in the Big Ten Championship game. And I am going hard for that. Yep. Um, though, it, it, would you say, let's let's pretend something mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Let's pretend Minnesota wins out, goes to the Big Ten Championship game, plays Ohio State, who is top four at that point in time. Yeah. And pulls the upset of upsets. Guess what? It's another year without the Big Ten in the... Uh, they're not getting in happens yeah all right ohio state has an outside shot but they would have just lost so i bet that's another year without the big 10 in the big 10 in the uh college football playoff yeah um all right we're gonna keep this running so uh let's talk a little bit about what we teased last week at uh memphis um for those who don't know james wiseman is a freshman center at memphis who may well be the number number one overall pick next year in the NBA draft. He was told by the NCAA that he is likely ineligible because he accepted $11,500 from Memphis head coach Penny Hardaway to relocate his family to Memphis and play for him at the sky, high school that Penny Hardaway at the time was the coach for. So this is be- Memphis, this city, not Memphis, the university yet. Well, right. At so- the time of this Yes. So to be clear, the money came from Hardaway before he was the coach of the University of Memphis and was coaching high school in the city of Memphis. Uh, And it was directly related to him playing for Penny Hardaway as a high school athlete. The reason the NCAA was upset at this is because Penny Hardaway, as a former player for Memphis and someone who has donated significant sums of money to the university, is by definition a booster. And boosters are not allowed to contact recruits, let alone give them money. Mm-hmm. Kind of frowned upon. Um, <laughs> yeah. When the NCAA informed uh, Wiseman and Memphis of the problem, Memphis essentially gave them the middle finger, uh, played him anyway, and then went to court for a temporary restraining order against the NCAA. Initially, I was all about it. Uh, yeah. Then explain. Then Memphis- explain why you were all about that. Because. This is another example of universities fighting back against the NCAA. That's exactly why I was about it, is that for a moment, the the university was standing behind a player who was admittedly, that was probably against the rules for high school. I, I don't know for certain, but it would be some places. Art Briles looking at you. Uh, but... The the university was standing behind the player saying, you know, this was relocation money. As someone who's currently going through a relocation, that stuff's expensive. Yeah, it adds up fast. Real fast. I mean, $11,500 maybe covered movers. I, I, I don't know how much stuff they had, but, you know, having someone come pack up your house and move it is quite expensive. You actually probably have some, some knowledge on that. Um, yeah. But so... Memphis ultimately reconsidered and stopped playing Wiseman, and today it was announced that he will have to serve a 12-game suspension, which is essentially one game for every $1,000 he accepted, and have to donate that money to a charity of his choice. Yeah, so he's got to come up with 11 k which is not in the same ballpark as 
the uh, you know the forty dollars that Miles Bridges had to to fish out of his piggy bank uh, a couple years ago now. Um, Eleven thousand five hundred dollars is a lot of liquid currency for anyone, much less someone that already had to accept this amount of money to move to Memphis a couple of years ago. Now, yes, he's likely to be a lottery pick. He's projected to be the first or second overall draft pick. But I'm, it seems to me that that money is due now. And I, there needs to be a cap. Like, that's insane. If I, I can't understand that. I know that there's a precedent set for this, like, whatever the amount of money it was, give that amount to charity. But $11,500? Are you serious? Well, and why is this coming down on the kid? Yeah. Which, by the way, is ultimately being passed along to his family. Yeah. When Penny Hardaway is the one who gave the money. Like, why doesn't he have to donate $11,500 to charity? Or, or just... It was in high school. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even the coach of Memphis, the university at the time. It, it, no. This is just insane to me. And I, I know it won't happen, but I would love it if Wiseman, who is going to go pro next year, just gave two birds and said, I'm going to Europe. I'm signing a short-term contract, and I'm going to go play there for the rest of the year because I don't need to deal with this nonsense. I, I'm just blown away by the $11,500 that he's got to donate to charity. I, that's nuts to me. It seems totally unreasonable. Well, and are we going to use this, you know, the 12-game suspension being pretty much the equivalent of a 1000 or one game per $1,000? Is that our standard now? Yeah. So, you know, if you take $400, is that a no-game suspension? Yeah, for, uh, for Miles Bridges, he had to sit out one game second. To do that <laughs> to yeah. on that map. He, he, he could not start. <laughs> He'd like, come just, in at the first media timeout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you wonder why NCAA, if anyone there is listening, you wonder why people don't like you. It's because of this nonsense. Yeah. All right. Anyway. All right. We have our next Speaking not a sponsor. Dollars. Yeah. Kevin, you have been working closely with this not a sponsor. I Tell have- us about it. I have. We're excited. Um, We're excited about this one. Uh, So. Hi, we're the Houston Astros. Proud not a sponsor of Can't Read, Can't Write. And we'd like to talk to you about our audiovisual department, which has just launched a closed circuit television division. It's brand new. As of today, we've never closed circuit television before. We don't know anything about it, but it sounds like fun. I mean, like, why would you even like hire us? We don't have any experience with with CCTV. I mean, like, seriously, like you'd probably be like a fool to hire us or whatever. But like, it sounds really cool. So like, so so like, please, like, but hire us. Uh, we would really like to get into this. It sounds like a good time. We'd like to learn. So we we'd like to do uh uh we like we like to do some closed circuit television for you. Um, we know nothing about closed circuit televisions to dugouts. But we'd like to learn for you. Wait, Kevin, you've been working closely with them on this ad copy. and The Houston Astros. Yeah, the Houston Astros. And, and it sounds like most of that was about any CCTV, but then it got oddly specific about dugouts. Hmm. Uh, what, what's going on there? Nothing. Nothing at all is going on. Uh, they're just, this is just something that they're excited about. They, they wanted to try. 
They wanted to try for a first time. That's all. Oh, okay. All right. Well, uh, with that, we will move to your Twitter questions. Uh, we're going to start with CT and TC, who, until he provides a real question, this will be his last appearance of Office Gifts. Uh, <laughs> he wants us to reflect on why are we so sad? Um, look, CT, uh, it's just Juwan Howard. I want to have a coach who can flagrantly violate recruiting rules and just be like, oopsie doopsie, my bad. That's why. Kevin, are you sad for any reason? I'm not. I'm thrilled. Let's go to Nate Great. <laughs> Yeah, Nate, uh, <laughs> real question. Was the Gabe Brown dunk the best since uh, Darrell Summers against UConn? And if you wanted to rank the best five dunks in the last 20 years... Tongue out, smiley face. I don't know that we're going to do the top five, but if no, well, but Kevin, I'm you, glad you, that we saw this question last night because I get to like go down memory lane and then go back and make notes as like things came to me. Um, this first pay tribute to the summer's dunk. I was there against UConn on Stanley Robinson. That place, Ford Field, was it erupted in that moment. And it wasn't just that the dunk was great. It was also like that was the moment where the, everyone in the building realized MSU is going to win this game. They're going to the national championship. Um, with that said, I did want to point out, I feel a little bad for Raymar Morgan because he had the dunk of the year in 2009 on a putback at Assembly Hall to, to ice the Big Ten championship at IU. Uh, that I thought was fantastic. And then Summers like one upped it in the final four. But what are you going to do? Um, other dunks that have been great since then, there was like a Gary Harris Tomahawk dunk against Iowa uh, that was super rad. And then, of course, like we already mentioned, uh, but we, we've got to bring him up again. Miles Bridges dunkathons all over the place. I think he had a game against like Purdue or something or, or Rutgers where he had like four or five ridiculous dunks just in the same game. So um, there's there's those that come immediately to mind. And then there's also, of course, the 2011 Big Ten tournament against Purdue, the Keebler exclamation point Spartans dunk uh, with Gus Johnson, even though I know the fan base is a little upset with him right now. That was <laughs> also a fantastic dunk um, for Mike Keebler. So those are the ones that come to mind. Any Anything for you that I neglected to mention? So the one thing I'll just say is that I think Gabe Brown's dunk has to inherently be better because Gabe Brown made a move off the baseline. And it, it, to me, it was just a sicker play because it, it required... Yeah, I More know that he came out. Yeah, brah. Anyway, point is, is that, you know, Darrell Summers was like coming down the lane hard. It, Gabe Brown had to make a move first. Move move around a guy. Like, it, to me, that was... Yeah, but was... Summers dunked over Stanley Robinson, who was right. very right. athletic. Right. It was, I mean, they're, it's an apples to oranges comparison, kind of, but they're, they're both pretty good. Yeah. Well, how do you like those apples? I like Gabe Brown. Uh, all right, Nate, great question. Next up, and uh, sorry in advance, we're running long, so this is going to be a bit of a speed round. But Jake, 
Hawkins wants to know, do you honestly believe that Josh Langford is done with basketball for good? Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, man, I, I kind of it's kind of like a I'll believe it when he plays again type of thing. I mean, he's been gone for a long time at this point. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure that I, I honestly hope that he just decides I'm going to medical this year and come back. Because if it doesn't work after that, then it just doesn't work. But yeah, to try but and push he come it. Back, he'll be like 24 or 25 or something at that point. He was already yeah, old whatever. when he got here. I want to be back in college. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> next question. Can MSU beat Kansas if it's them in the Maui final? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going to have to listen next week to our preview pod for that game. That's right. Um, do we think MSU football looks like a 6-6 six and six team? Jake doesn't seem to think so after the performance against Michigan. Uh, I, I, they look worse than 6-6? Six and six? I mean, 6-6 six and six teams aren't great world-beating teams. They're, they're equal win and loss teams. Um, I think they look like a 6-6 six and six team. They beat a ranked Indiana team, and they destroyed Western. Bow, bow, bow. Um, so I think they look 6-6-y. Six and sixy. Uh, I, hopefully yeah, they prove that they're six and six. My, I, you know, my only thing would be that I think maybe the season is a little bit different if we beat ASU. I, maybe, you know, it, I, it seemed the wheels came off after that. But um, if MSU gets to the Quick Lane Bowl, would you make the trip down to Ford Field for it? Yeah, absolutely. There is going to be a can't re can't write tailgate at <laughs> Ford Field if MSU is in the Quick Lane Bowl. Book it. Slash, I should probably look at what day the quick lane bowl is before I make a commitment like that. But moving on. How are you going to decorate your uh, your tailgate, though? Oh, there's going to be wood paneling. Authentic <laughs> wood paneling. Obviously. Uh, last, Jake wants to know, uh, are you a Simpsons or family guy kind of guy? Oh, Simpsons by a model, by a mile. Uh, you? Honestly, not a huge fan of either. If I had to pick, it'd be the Simpsons. We'll take uh, Archer, Bob's Burgers. Uh, or uh, Big Mouth, if we're going animated, animated comedy. Okay, so you're you're like uh, the the current generation of a Fox animation versus the old guard. Got it. Got it. Yes. All right. Brandon List asks: Is those a multimillionaire multiple times over when he's going out for a special night with Lupe in East Lansing? Where do you think he takes her? Well, Rama. Duh. Where else do you take a girl that you like? in East Lansing other than Burger Rama. Um, this was a good question though, cause it raised a, it brought to my attention a hole in the market. There are no, for a youper like Tom Misso, there are no pasty shops in mid Michigan that I'm ooh, aware of. Ooh, ooh, we got to seize that moment. Yeah. Think about, we got a captive market with one of the richest guys in mid Michigan. He's got nowhere to get his pasties. So there might be a can't re can't write pasty shop opening up uh, in a couple of months here. Keep an eye out. <laughs> I, I like that. That's where we're going with this. Um, okay. Next up. Um, we actually are going to be missing some Twitter questions on here. So sorry in advance. Um, but we'll go to Did the. Did you not put them all down or are you skipping some? Well, there were some that you promised that you would be putting down that you did not. Ha ha! Classic. Greg's former roommate. Sorry. I'll see if I can pull him off Twitter as we go. But right now, Upper Deck Jerk Guy. Uh, who's the best freshman basketball player this year? Sophomore? Uh, Upper Deck Jerk Guy. 
Great job. This is a fantastic question because you got Henry, uh, Aaron Henry versus Gabe Brown and you got Rocket versus Malik Hall. I don't know. I mean, Henry is going to continue to start, I think, until otherwise noted. So you've got to give him the edge there. And Rocket Watts is going to be playing a more important role on the team, relieving Cassius Winston. But man, that is a a tough competition as it turns out, uh, which I don't think we were expecting. So great work, Upper Deck Jerk Guy. That that is strong. And we're going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to watch games as we go along with an eye on this question. I, I you said it best. I have zero to contribute to that. I, I it is. I think it's hard to make a prediction because there there's just too much unknown right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, next question from the upper deck jerk guy is: Can Frosty, he means Foster Lawyer, uh, grow into a starting point guard for next year? If he comes to life one day, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was the right tune for the song. Uh, it's kind of hard to come in the middle, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we're going to have to see more for him from him for him to be a starting point guard next year. You always got to come in the middle. And I think that um, it, it, it all depends on if he gets that carrot, you know, the carrot on the nose really just adds something to it. Um, he's got coal in his eyes right now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, he's got to find a shot. Because he can, he can stop making excuse. If he can get out of Izzo's way by providing some offensive production, then it'll come. But for right now, uh, he's just not coming. Um, who will be the first Spartan football player drafted, and in what round? Uh, I think the draft boards say Joe Bocci or Kenny Willikis. Um, I. I... I would put Raquan Williams on that list as well, uh, but no one's going in the first or second round. I mean, we're looking third, fourth, fifth. I don't think MSU's draft streak is ending this year, but I don't think you're going to be real impressed where these guys go either. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's Willikas first. I think Bocce's later. Um, and, yeah, fourth round maybe. Yeah. Uh, Last question from the Epidemic Jerk Guy wants to know, what do we drink when we record? What you got? Uh, what I, did you What did you pop? I got some Modelo's tonight. Modelo? Are we talking Especial? Are we talking... Yeah, not the Negro. It's, uh, it, it it's, is uh, the Especial. Uh, oh, sorry. I believe. Um, makes, oh, because it's Cerveza. Yes. Yep. I failed Spanish in college, if anyone wants to know, and that yep. would be why. Indeed. Uh, we've got right now, we've got the Founders Green Zebra, because they were in the fridge. Uh, but it's uh, not uncommon that you, you'd see a Labatt or a Canadian here uh, as well. So, oh, come on, man. Head south of the border. It's way better. <laughs> All right. We got NAFTA beers going. <laughs> last up. I thought that got canceled. Um, last up, Revised. we got some hate mail. Uh, not really hate mail. But last week, you might remember that I badmouthed Iowa a little bit. Um, dear friend of the pod, Jared Burns, chose to write in an email defending his Hawkeyes. I said last week I was surprised and indeed bothered by the fact that Iowa was still ranked, uh, and Jared took umbrage. Uh, 
it was reasoned, and he preemptively said, I cannot bring up the 2015 Big Ten Championship where we beat them. But, uh, and it was and good said, of How's... you to not bring it up. <laughs> he wanted to know, How's 2019 shaking out? To which I say, Touche. Um, his high level points are simple. Uh, Iowa is not the only three loss team in the top 25. They have an elite defense. Their losses are all to top 15 teams who are still in the top 15. And they've all made all those teams earn it. Jarrett doesn't believe in quality losses, and he made that very clear. I don't necessarily agree with him there. I do think there's such thing as quality losses. I think you just said that all three losses were quality. Yeah, yeah. He points out the quality losses and then says, I don't believe in them. <laughs> uh, but they've also but, got a quality win against a top 10 Minnesota team, which is our pivot team who we're now covering. So yes, yeah, we're we're rowing the boat hard here, rowing the boat down the Grand uh, the Red Cedar. Um, but uh, look, Jared, fine. You have a superb defense, and you are the fifth, sixth best team in the Big Ten. Proud of you. Great. So, okay. Um. I will mildly concede the point, though I still remain baffled as to how you came off of a loss and were in the top 20. Anyway, uh, but you've earned yourself a spot back in the top 25 after taking down the Golden Gophers. It is time for our last not a sponsor. Uh, Look, this is a joint ad, and we feel like this has been a, a privilege because as a real testament to being a podcast, you have to have ZipRecruiter advertising with you. And um, look, they're not a sponsor, and so is Rutgers University, and they have a joint ad for us today. ZipRecruiter is famous for their promise to go out and find qualified candidates and wants to know if you have any experience coaching football. Like any. Any at all. <laughs> Coached your son or daughter in flag football? Apply. Peewee, even better. JV, consider yourself a lock. Hell, if you have extensive experience in dodgeball, we would like to see your resume. Rutgers University, ZipRecruiter, joint ad with Can't Read, Can't Write. This is a rite of passage for us, Kevin. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, we've arrived now. Not only uh, do we have ZipRecruiter as not a sponsor, but we're also going to place Rutgers next head football coach. Yes, we are. And so... With that, let's turn to previewing the Rutgers game. Kevin, uh, Rutgers is a 20-point home dog. How many, how many teams can have a visitor coming to their stadium on a five-game skid and still, still need three touchdowns on the line? Uh, that seems impossible to me. Um, and one of those losses was to Illinois. Yeah. That's bananas that <laughs> that MSU is still a 20-point favorite over Rutgers at Rutgers in Piscataway. But, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that anyone who's watched any amount of Rutgers, and frankly, any amount of Michigan State, feels like that's not totally wrong. Uh, I would say this. Remember the first half against Illinois? Yeah. Remember when we when we looked like a football team? We will not get Illinois again. Lovey Beer Lovey Smith will not bring his beard oil out. Yep. We will win that game. That's locked in his case. He's not letting anyone borrow that Lovey Smith beard oil. 
Um, we're we're not even going to give you the like the key matchups here. It, no, it, Rut, Rutgers on a good day might still lose to a JV team. Remind me, what did you say you were going to do last week if MSU loses to this Rutgers team? Yeah, so you remember when uh, uh, we invaded Iraq and yep. uh, before we stayed for a really long time, um, but when people were pulling Saddam statues down? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The top line. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So uh, I will fly back to Michigan, Great. hop in a car. I'll probably mm-hmm. put a diaper on just so that I can urinate and defecate freely on my ride without stopping. So now you're an uh, astronaut. Got it. Yep. Just like that lady. Uh, <laughs> and then I will uh, drive in, uh, drive past, uh, I believe I am west. There's the uh, the little Don't try East Lansing geography again. It, it doesn't wait, wait, go is, great is last it, time. Is it, not, is it not still a three-way stop by Sparty? It is still. You passed okay. that geography test. Good job. Great. And you, you would hang sort of a right slash straight uh, heading up towards uh, the old dorms, the names of which are escaping me. You could take a left to head down to Michigan Ave, but instead I'm going to take a right to head to the administration building. Who's West Circle? Find you that for West Circle. What's that? West Circle. You were looking for West Circle. Whatever. Whatever. I'm going to find John Hanna's statue. I'm going to loop some rope around him, and I'm going to yank it down because this university is nothing if we cannot beat this Rutgers team. <laughs> I'm That's- sorry I slowed your roll with the geography quiz there. Uh, good to know. Um, and if you're not there with me, pod canceled. Okay. Yeah, I'll walk over there. <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to get there. <laughs> All right, so let's turn to uh, a couple of the real games um, that we have to, to consider. Uh, we mentioned up top... But for the next two weeks, we're going to be doing a little bit of a different schedule because of the Maui Invitational and the fact that we're playing Duke the following Wednesday, which is right. when we normally record. Yep. So uh, this next week, we are going to be recording on uh, early in the day on Wednesday to get you a podcast out, hopefully in time to preview the Kansas game that's happening that evening. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to cover the the first two portions of that game or that tournament now. Uh, and then the following week, we may be going late after the Duke game. And to be, to be fair, it might not be the Kansas game. It could be Kansas, BYU, UCLA, or host Chaminade. Almost certainly the last of those. Cause the home team's going to win all the games. They always do. The Maui Invitational. I honestly didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, here we're hopefully going to get you uh, an update in time uh, to preview that championship game or the consolation game, you know, if things go go poorly. Uh, what to know about VATEC? Because we do know that MSU will be playing Virginia Tech next Monday night. Um New coach in town, as we all know. Uh, Buzz has uh, made his way off to College Station. He's uh, he's an Aggie now. Um, so Virginia Tech picked up uh, former Wolford Terriers coach Mike Young, who had apparently been there forever. He was like an assistant coach there for a long time, and then he was head coach for like 20 years. Like, dude apparently spent uh, like 25 years of his life at Wofford 
Uh, but he's not there anymore. He's now at Virginia Tech. Um, and also everyone that you know from last year's Virginia Tech team, also gone. All of their upperclassmen <laughs> left. Yeah, they, had the, uh, they had Blackshear, the big transfer. And Kerry Blackshear was, if you recall, the crown jewel of the uh, transfer portal last year. Uh, he went down to Florida, so he's also no longer there. If you look at their returning point output, it's like 15 points a game from last year or just something dismal. So um, that has not translated into as poor a team as you would think. They've only really played Clemson, but they beat them. Um, Other than that, they've played like nobody teams. And in fact, actually, they were playing tonight. They... Oh, they defeated Delaware State 100 to 64 this evening. And to be clear, um, Delaware State is not the university that uh, has those uh, classic blue uniforms with the like, uh, what is it, wing striped uh, helmets that uh, you don't see anywhere else. Certainly not at a school in Ann Arbor. Delaware no. State is the the first um, and only spot. Or Delaware yeah, the, is the first and only. It is it, well, but Delaware State University is the only university in that state that matters, not the University of Delaware. There's something about Delaware State. There was. Something about how Delaware refused to play Delaware State, and I don't recall. Not shocked by that, if that's the case. Uh, It's the wing comments. Yes. What's important is that the University of Delaware is garbage because they have a uniform similar to one that we don't like. Indeed. So we're all Delaware State fans, but they lost tonight to Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech... Still, uh, as I said, uh, has, I mean, I think they're mid forties, Kempom 45, somewhere in there. Um, so of the teams that are on MSU side of the bracket, they're actually one of the more formidable, uh, assuming that they, that MSU gets past this, uh, Virginia tech team, it's likely to be either Dayton or Georgia, um, with Ooh, formidable Dayton that Couch is predicting we will lose to. Yeah, there's not a reason to choose that upset that I'm aware of. Uh, Dayton is like 55th Kempom and Georgia is like 60th Kempom. Uh, so none of these teams are anywhere in the same sort of stratosphere as MSU. So these games and, are, are more about how MSU performs in them than they are about the teams that they're playing. And just for listeners who might not know, can you tell them real quickly what Ken Palm is? Oh, Ken Pomeroy is a gentleman that uh, has tweaked his analytics platform to rank all of the college basketball teams, not just one through 25, uh, but all of the teams uh, in Division One college basketball. So um, he... he has measures of uh, offensive and defensive efficiency, ranks on those metrics, and then determines overall rankings uh, as and well. Is, so. And is considered uh, pretty reliable and, and reputable. Yeah, it's a computer analytics. Every All of the college and professional leagues have computer analytics uh, services, and his is one of the better known, uh, particularly for college basketball. Um, so, yeah, these will be interesting games to watch. But as I said, the uh, for the most part, they'll be more watching how MSU deals in, in these situations than than anything to do with the opponents until potentially Kansas slash BYU slash UCLA slash Chaminade. 
if there's anything that you are worried about for these games, what would it be? Uh, letdown, an emotional letdown of some kind. Um, there's no reason to think that any of those teams, that any of Virginia Tech, uh, Dayton, or Georgia, maybe maybe uh, Georgia and uh, what's his name? Who's their head coach? Speaking of coaches leaving, Indiana coach, move, got fired. Former MSU coach. Wow, I've got to Google it. Come on, brain. Uh, Cream, Cream. Yeah, Tom Cream. Maybe we get a revenge of the Tom Cream. Classic blow by on the uh, on the uh, the the handshake line at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, these these teams are not in the same tier as MSU. All right. Well, uh, this has been another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write. Again, we thank you all for listening. Please do rate, review, and subscribe. And if you would, share the episodes. We we sincerely appreciate it, and we thank you for giving us your time. And with that, I'm going to leave it with a little quote from Fraser Hartnell's letter. Beautiful. I love you, Michigan State. Do your best and have fun. Go green. Go white. Go white, Fraser. <laughs> <laughs>